Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Tis the season to get glammy. I'm nominated for two 2023 Glam Awards for Best Podcast and Best Writer Blogger, and I need your help to win. Once again, both categories are in the People's Choice voting, so the public will determine who wins. All you need to do is go to GlamAwards.net, click the tab for People's Choice, and vote. You might only be allowed to use your email once, so you better tell all your friends, family, enemies, hell, even tell that dancing diva at the bar, the cutie slinging the drinks, and the DJ spinning the tracks. And I repeat, tell everyone. Oh, and while you're at it, visit my Instagram and click the link tree to find out how you can support the pod by donating or buying merch. Now, what you're about to listen to is an episode that I've been holding on to for a while. Why is it only being released now? Well, Daddy was busy! A lot has happened since this interview was conducted, so be sure to follow this bitch to fill in the blanks. And as always, follow me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at MichaelBlockTalk on Twitter slash X at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She has endless experience and countless stories thanks to her time and presence as a staple in New York City nightlife. And now she's here to share it all. It's the fabulous 2022 Glam Award nominee for Best Bartender, Lila Lansing. How are you? I'm so good, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, First off, congratulations on the Glam Award. Thank you very much. Ditto. Thank you. Uh, Now, have you been nominated before? I have. (laughs) I've never won. (laughs) Neither have I. This is now, uh, this will be my 10th nomination in, I think, like five years, which is great because um, different categories. I can play around with them. Uh, it's still a loser. Still a big yeah. fucking loser. I, I, um, I'm right this there will, with- This will definitely air after the Glam Awards. So if I'm eating my words, um, listeners, you can do whatever you want. Uh, but come on, I'm not beating Lady Bunny and Monet Exchange. It's not happening. I get okay. it. We're going to do, we're going to set the precedent right now. Oh my God, congratulations on your oh Glam Thank you. Thank you. Listen, I'm going to talk to Terry Jubilee and be like, can you just, here, here's an idea. You want to celebrate all of the drag celebrities that are in our community. Give them their own category. Let them fight each other. Let us plebeians who can't put a tweet out for thousands of people, let our have our own battle. Listen, I get it. I'm in a category where there's nothing but like buff, hot gay guys. I mean, you're hotter than all of them, so. Well, that's mostly <laughs> over 50 and I'm having hot flashes. Uh, <laughs> But it's, I mean, it's, I mean, my category is tough. I'm like, I'm, I'm in, listen, I'm in a gay man's world. So I am always going to play second fiddle. Maybe this year fiddle will be very loud. Who knows? But I mean, sorry to the others, but I did vote for you. So, you know what they say? It's just an honor to be nominated, which it really is. It's true. It, It is true. Um, now, before we dive into the interview, I, again, everyone will see it by the time they have listened. What are you wearing? Um, I, I'm not going to give away too much. I am going to say that uh, my outfit was made by the same person that makes a lot of Dita Von Teese's robes. Oh, cool. I'm going for a very... Um, 
Valley of the Doll meets Stepford Wives Boudoir. Okay, but- I'm here for it. I'm excited. We're definitely going to have to take a picture together. Oh, um, hell yeah. Because my look is nothing like that. Um, but I, I, I've got this really cute um, purple velvet blazer. My dress um, Oh, purple. Amazing. Um, I stoned like the lapel. It's black. You will barely see it in that room because the lighting sucks. But I'm very excited because I had Amped Accessories making me a custom like statement necklace and a oh. statement claw for my finger. So I'm very excited. Definitely see it sparkle when you go on stage to accept your award. I can't wait. And I can't wait. All right. Well, enough about me. We're here for you. Let's talk about you. Let's Love t- to start at the very beginning. Where are you from? Uh, I was born in Jersey City, but I grew up in New York. What was life like as a youngster in New York? Uh, do I remember that for a <laughs> Um, Normal. Yeah. I had a normal childhood. Um, I'm the oldest. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first sibling didn't come along till I was... I don't remember how old I was. I don't, I don't remember the year, the age difference between us. She's 40, so I'm nine years older. Mm-hmm. I had a very, very, literally the most basic childhood. Now, being in New York, mm-hmm. you obviously have access to all this art and culture and theater and music. Did you take advantage of that when you were Absolutely younger not. years? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Um, you know, it's really funny. So much about New York, I didn't really start to appreciate till I was like in my thirties. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was so, I started nightlife so young. Like I started going out really young. I started doing drag so young. Um, I guess by the time I was really able to appreciate any of that stuff, um, I was already in this like isolated bubble. Sure. Didn't really venture out of too much. And the nice thing was, is um, having been part of that whole 90s, you know, club kid thing, we kind of were making our own art. So, yeah, we were literally walking art installations. So that's amazing. Yeah. When, when what was your entryway into the world of New York nightlife? You know, I wish I could like pinpoint what it was. I just went out a lot and I just knew a lot of people. And I don't, I can't even tell you how I knew these people. Sure. I, people I met, people you get introduced to. And I just kind of got sucked into it like a vacuum. Like I never, I never said, oh my God, I want to be part of this. It just kind of happened super organically. So it was, I guess just people I knew. And then I started talking to the right people. And then, um, like my drag mom and and just stuff like that and I just kind of got sucked into everything I just I I don't ever think it was a conscious effort it's just you know something that was presented to me you know through like I said through people I knew and I was just like instantly enamored I was like yeah I I think I think no matter the time it happened a lot of us have a similar experience for me it was very much a well I know you write reviews. You're now starting to review drag at the Lori Beachman Theater. Do you want to come uh, judge a competition? And I was like, sure. I don't know really much about drag, but sure. Let, 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 let's go judge season two of Lady Liberty. That sounds like a great idea. And then it kind of just snowballed from there. And, and people started to know who I was, took me seriously for what I did. 
And I guess you say the rest is history. I mean, it's a kind of unique situation um, because yes, nightlife is for all of us still work, but it's still another different kind of community where where you're all sharing an experience of some sort. Um, Yeah, it's one of those communities. Island of misfit toys. We just kind of all found each other. Absolutely. Are we a dysfunctional family? Fully, oh. 100%, 99% of the time. Well, that's because we've come from screwed up stock to begin with. It's not exactly. like not like we get together and we're dysfunctional. No, it's like everybody that's, that's got some kind of dysfunctionality, which everybody does to some degree. We just kind of all, again, we all found each other. Exactly. And, we, and commiserated for, for lack of a better word. So you mentioned that you had started with drag. Mm-hmm. What was what was the deciding factor that yeah that that's the art form that I want to begin nightlife with? I just I was always kind of I want to say when I was younger I was really kind of androgynous mm-hmm. because this has been my speaking voice my whole life. This is actually deeper than my voice was when I was younger. Oh really? Like, yeah, I just I was really I don't know I was <clears throat> I, even when I was thin like I was still kind of curvy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, people for a very long time, um, in my formative years, a lot of people like asked me if I was a lesbian, like mm-hmm. they just thought that I was some girl with short hair. It's really weird. Like I, I cause I never thought, Sure. I mean, I, I, you know, I guess I, I knew who I was, which surprise, surprise, I didn't. Um, but I was just always wondering, like when people would make remarks like that I'd be like what like I was very perplexed extremely all right so drag what was next what was the next part of nightlife for you um I don't know it's like literally just it honestly it's just like a huge blur um it was you know just me initially um I learned how to bartend when I was pretty young um Mm -hmm. And I was in nightlife and, you know, worked for various promoters and was going out and going, working in clubs and blah, blah, blah. And then I started bartending and like, honestly, I was like that. I was like the Jill of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. Like, do you need me to do a door? I can do the door. Do you need me to run tickets back and forth? I can do that. Do you need me to be a bottle service? Like I would do anything that I, and not because I wanted to do it to advance because I enjoyed what I was doing. Absolutely. Do anything. I don't care. This is fun. I'm getting paid for this. Like it was, that's the crazy thing to me. It's like, it's some people never understood what, what, what was the appeal of nightlife? We, even if you were working, you still were getting paid to socialize and hang out. Like I I run around and party and drink and, whatever I was doing, whatever and wherever I was doing what I was doing, I was getting paid for this. Absolutely. Like, where's not, where is the, where is the appeal? Not it's just, and it was just, it was fun. It was fun. It was free. Um, you know, it was such a non-judgmental zone. I mean, not to say there weren't people didn't judge, of course, people of course. Judge, but you weren't getting judged by society. Um, it was more of like, Oh my God, what are you wearing? It was one of those. And you knew you weren't going to get, you know, your ass beat for it. It pe- You know, it was, it, like I said, I said earlier, it was, I was in an insulated bubble. So it's like, it was fun for me. I, I didn't have to worry about being ridiculed. Um, I wasn't looked down on. It was just, yeah, it was a lot of fun. 
I guess fun factor. So uh, in addition to being a bartender, you're also a performer. Uh, um, singer, songwriter, yes, everything. All of, all of the above. What Do you find that there is um, a different eyes on you as someone who people see behind the bar but then when you're on stage do you get um do you feel like it's any different or do you feel like maybe there's a little more admiration because like wait that person just made my drink they're amazing now I think that's happened more now in my life than younger Mm -hmm. um I guess maybe because uh, you know years ago you kind of had one job and you did that and that's what people knew you for. And you didn't mix your jobs as much. Like I wasn't performing and bartending as much. Now it's like, it's really funny because a a lot of times people will come to a show, whatever, if I'm performing, they're like, Oh my God, I had no idea you did this. They're like, they being behind a bar, but they don't know like the expanse of things that I did have done and all that stuff. So it's, it's, sometimes it's a really weird reaction from people. I mean, I love it. I love when people are, are you know, they're like, wow, you're so good up there. And I'm like, and they say that, like, I'd never done this before. I'm like, I've been doing this for years. But right. I'm like, if it's new to you, if it's a new experience to you, good for you. And, and there are a lot of people who do that kind of crossover, whether it's someone like me who has a podcast that I, yeah, I can produce a show, friends. I'm actually pretty good at it. Um, and then you have like bartenders slash drag queens like a Ruby Rue and a Skywalker who yeah. have, have done it. And, and that's what's kind of fun about nightlife is you, we all can be multi-hyphenates and show yeah. our various talents. Well, I mean, like Tina Burner, Tina Burner started as a bartender right. and just completely flipped the script. And now she's Tina Burner. Yeah, now she's Tina Burner. Yeah, it, it, I, I think it's great that people can do stuff like that. I don't ever want to, I like to have my hands in a lot of things. I don't ever really ever want to be one thing because I can produce an event. I can be the showrunner. I can, I can be, you know, I can be stage manager. I can put together the mixes. I can, I can put together your audio and visual for a show. Like I like to be kind of have like all encompassing this to myself because you're never then going to be left out of anything. It's like, oh, I guess can't be part of the show because I don't. Because right. Lord knows I don't dance. I'm t- I'm old. I'm not dancing at this point. I point. I gesture. I mm-hmm. do all that. Um, but it's like if I really want to be involved in something, I don't have to be on stage. I there's plenty of other things that I'm very capable and knowledgeable of doing. So I've I've always liked to be like I said, Jill, Jill of all trades, master of none. Love it always like to be able to do a lot of different things as a performer how mm-hmm. would you describe lila in three words uh fabulous mm-hmm. uh offbeat all right and entertaining oh, i love that we, we listen that's that's the whole game like i don't think that i'm i don't think that i'm the most amazing performer but i think i'm really quirky and um, I'm definitely more of a comedy person. Uh, I did I did improv for a really long time. Um, being behind a bar, you're basically a comedian. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like to be a little quirky. I'm not a dancer. I, I worked on cruise ships and sang and danced for years. But um, 
I don't, I don't fancy myself a dancer. And now that I'm, you know, like I said, now that I'm in my fifties, I'm like, I'm not trying to dance. Yeah. As a performer, who are some of your inspirations? Wow. Uh, in the scene or just in general? In general. Uh, I brought up, brought a really like big, um, pinup style to my performance decades ago. Um, I was a pinup model for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So um, I used to watch a lot of like really old Betty Page videos. Sure. Um, like Jane Russell. Uh, oof, good Lord. Ann Miller. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Sid Charisse. Like I loved old showgirls. Like that was very much my MO. These days, um, I fancy myself more of a cross between Lady Bunny, Phyllis Diller, and Lady Keir from Delight. I'm here for that. I love that. Um, I was I mean, like, yeah, go ahead. I was like, I'm I'm no longer the young, sexy ingenue. So now I'm just going to be the, the crazy, quirky old lady. I'm here for that. Um, now your style, like, I feel like recently I've, I've seen a lot of like retro vibes coming off of you, especially with your background right now. Well, it's always been a very retro vibe for me. It's just what retro was it? Sure. Like again, I was in a, I was in a very like 30s, 40s, um just like very, very, very post-war style for a while. Then it was very like rockabilly pinup. And mm-hmm. that was my MO for good lord, probably 12 years. Um, I had jet black hair, Betty Page bangs, like that was my that was my thing. Um, and then it kind of is now skewing a little more like 60s mod, a mm-hmm. uh, little bit of like 70s kind of boho hippie chic. Um, I've I've now uh, gained an affinity for very long flowy dresses and, and caftans. I'm, I'm basically turning into like Lainey Kazan and, and, and Liz Taylor, like yeah. in the late their lives. And I love it. I completely love it. I, I really am embracing the fact that I am older and I love it. Cause I mean, almost, and, I, but you don't look it, it. And that's what's amazing. Good makeup. <laughs> when you are going out to do a performance, mm-hmm. what is your process like deciding on what the look is going to be? Um, okay. So I'm infatuated with one shoe designer, John mm-hmm. Fluvog. I am the John Fluvog queen. I have, I can't tell you how many pairs of shoes I have. I literally build my entire outfit around a pair of shoes. Here for it. Um, my other obsessive designer is Pucci. I am obsessed with Pucci. Um, unfortunately, Pucci does not design for fat girls. So um, it's about accessories and jewelry. I really do love, I love color. I'm not afraid of color. I love bold prints. Um, yeah, I, I kind of go for that very like psychedelic, psychedelic mod sixties, kind of a, kind of a feeling. You have any favorite makeup products or uh, makeup lines that you use? Uh, my lipstick, 99% of my lipstick is Too Faced Melted Mattes. Uh, I love nice that lipstick girl. I have never been a gloss person. I'm not into gloss. Uh, I love a good matte lip. You will never catch me without a like really sharp wing liner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like really like if I'm just doing day to day makeup. Um, I I'm not really I don't wear a ton of makeup. It's I do a lash, uh, a thick black liner, and a lip, and I'm pretty much good. All right, um, let's say okay, go ahead. And then if I'm going out, it's 
the same thing, but it's a, I like really graphic eyes, uh, that whole kind of like double twiggy lid liner. Mm -hmm. look. Um, like I like stuff like that. Let's say Two-Face comes to you and says, all right, we want you to develop a palette with us. What okay. are the, let's go with the six colors that have to be included. There has to be a black, there has to be a white. Mm -hmm. It has to be a black and a white. I think that makes your, your, your that makes the, the bulk of your palette because you can lighten and darken shades. Absolutely. Um, for the most part, I really am like a neutral eye person. Um, so there would have to be some kind of like, I'd want like a really rich chocolatey brown. Mm -hmm. um, cool tones. I mean, uh, warm tones usually look good on all skin types. Sure. Uh, and there'd have to be kind of like a, I want to say like a camely beigey color, mm -hmm. um, which is great then because if you're light skinned, and it's a little on the warmer side of the beige, that can be what they call a transition color. Or if you're darker skinned, that's a highlight color on you. So yeah. it's, I like, I like palettes that are like universally flattering. Um, I don't think makeup should be skewed to any one person. Everybody should be part of the game. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm going at the Glam Wars, I will be wearing foundation because after looking at my photos from DragCon, we need some work. Um, oh, so we're going to make it look pretty because I, I need to still feel youthful for once. Do you know what foundation you're wearing? I got house labs. I had a recommendation from a couple of people. So I'm using house labs. I am wearing the tri-clone foundation right now. Mm -hmm, that's what uh, I'll be using. I like it. It's, yeah. it's, it's coverage, but it's not super heavy. Which is exactly what I was looking for. Cause that last year, like, um, someone like did a little bit of, eyes on me you couldn't even read it in the room it was just impossible uh but then um uh rude rude polarized took a photo and the photo came back and i was like oh my god i look like i am a ghost right now so we're we're, we're gonna warm it up we're gonna make it look good look get rid of the rosacea it's gonna look good gonna yeah a little foundation never hurts anybody no um we've mentioned you've been a big part of New York city nightlife for 30 plus years as a performer, as a bartender. What is this? What, what's the key to success? When I, when I garner some, I will let you know, <laughs> I don't know if I've had su success, but I've had a lot of longevity. Um, because I've, I've just, I've never see the problem with New York is out of sight, out of mind. Yes. The minute you take that sabbatical and you leave for too long, people forget who the fuck you are. Oh, believe me, I'm feeling it big time. Because uh, last year, I <clears throat> I had to be at home because listeners will know, but I had a back and nerve problem where I had no mobility. I could not walk. So like trying to be in Astoria where I like, live 15 minutes away from the train, it was not going to be a possibility. Monetarily taking Ubers everywhere was not going to happen. So I had to go home and because of the medical system, it took me a year before I finally got the, the treatment that I needed to finally be able to walk again. That's but in that time, I realized, like, if I didn't have the podcast, no one would even know who I was anymore. Because the, the new generation of drag, it came very quickly. It did. And, it, and the, the problem is, is I, I made a joke um, to Reefy Royalty because uh, Reefy does a, a part, a Tuesday night party, a $3 bill called Trish. And I said, oh, my God, you're so. And I said this on Halloween. I'm like, you're so lucky. They were like, why? I was like, because it's going to be so easy to book Trish. And they were like, why is that? I'm like, cause there's like 93,000 new drag queens were born this evening. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's the, the turnover now. I remember New York when there were like 10 drag queens in New York and you yeah. could go to three places to see them unless they were doing their own shows that they did on their own. You couldn't just walk into a bar and see a drag show. Now it's like just last night, a friend and I went out to dinner and we were going to go out. Well, first of all, nothing started to super late and I didn't want to stay out late, but I was like, where are we going to go? Because I have seven friends that are doing seven different shows at seven different places. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a saturation right now. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's amazing that these opportunities are out here, but I think the problem is, is there's just so much right now. I think people are a little, um, they get a little skittish when it's like, well, where do we go? Where, where, what are we going to do? What time do we get? It's, there's a lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, I, I found you can't give people too many options because then they don't know whether they should go blind. It's true. And it's true. Who are some of the first people that helped you out on your nightlife journey? Uh, my drag mom, Perfidia, uh, amazing Broadway hairstylist. Mm-hmm. Um, well, two of my best friends, um, one being Miss Shaquita. Shaquita and I have been friends for good lord 20 something years uh my sister paulina the princess of power um she was the staple girl at lucky chang's for years um i worked at lucky chang's for 13 years so my chang's family definitely um good lord like there's so many people that were like instrumental in me in the beginning um like I met Amanda Lapore when I was super young and she was always so super sweet and just, um, God, so many people, so many people. We kind of hit on it a little bit. How, what are the, some, what are some of the biggest changes you've noticed in nightlife since you began till now? Um, the first would definitely be the, um, sense of entitlement Mm -hmm. i i i I hate to sound like a negative nancy but the sense of entitlement with some of these younger people is disgusting um people expect like you know uh, nothing is a privilege anymore everything is oh i should have this no you got to work for this sorry Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I feel as a whole. I'm not saying this specifically, but as a whole, creativity just doesn't seem to be there anymore either. Um, everybody's kind of got like that, or not everybody. I shouldn't say that, but there's such a like a cookie cutter makeup, and there's cookie cutter hair and cookie cutter clothes and it's like there's some queens that have to introduce themselves to me every time I see them because they don't have a look sure and they look completely different all the time and I'm not saying don't ever switch up your look but you should have a core look brand yeah branding is everything that sets you apart there should be something that's just quintessentially you that's just you. That's your signature. And I think too many people don't have that right now. Um, but I, uh, and, and people buy things or get things made. Like there seems to be not as much unique as people aren't, aren't, aren't putting together their looks. 
It's they're seeing other people and copying that, or they're getting dresses made by somebody. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything against designers. I think it's amazing that so many people that design for drag Queens are making their money now. I love that. But the problem is, is when you go to a designer, designers have a certain style. So then everything they kind of pump out is super similar. I just think the creativity and the, and the individuality isn't there as much. I'm not going to say it doesn't exist, but it's not there as much. Like that was our whole MO. Do you think the introduction of drag race into mainstream media has amplified nightlife or took away the uniqueness that queer nightlife once had? Both. Both yeah. definitely. It's definitely brought drag to to another level. It's it's brought it to masses that necessarily might not have seen it. It may have definitely opened minds to people that were not on board. And I mm-hmm. love that. But I think it's also at the same time ruined drag. It's just, it's oversaturated the market. It's, um, and this is the double-edged sword for me to say this though, because I have a ton of friends that have been on Drag Race, some of one Drag Race. But here's the thing. Um, There's people that will come to the events where there's the drag queens, but they don't know any of their local girls. Right. Like, I never forget. I used to work at this a bar called Excelsior on Park Slope for a really long time. The woman that came in and uh, I had made mention that I was friends with Bob the Drag Queen. And she was like, oh, I love Bob the Drag Queen. I just saw Bob the Drag Queen in Monet and then I'm going to see so-and-so, blah, 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 at this part. I was like, oh, do you go to any of the bars? Like, do you go to any of the bars, see the shows? She's like, no. I'm like, you're spending all this money to go see these drag race girls, which... Yes, make your money. But how do you do this? And I mean, you do realize two years ago, you could have gone to Barracuda and saw Bob for free. Right. But you didn't care to see Bob for free because Bob wasn't a celebrity back then. It's like, yes, support Drag Race Girls because some of them put on some of the most amazing shows. And I, I think Bob is a hugely funny person and, and being on Drag Race has, has been a platform to elevate that. And, and I love Absolutely. that. Masses. And, and Bob brings something to the table. Bob brings the comedy and two very successful comedy specials. Like Bob brings that. Um, and, and I love that. I absolutely love that. And I love that my friends are, are finding their success. But they're also the same people that advocate. Go out and see your local queens. Support the local girls because they need it too. Because guess what? These local girls, wherever you live, are the girls that are going on Drag Race. Support them now so that they can go on Drag Race and buy costumes and wigs and whatever they have to do to win. But it's like, you know, make sure that if you're going to support the celebrities, that you're also supporting the little guys. Make sure, you know, know who those people are. Support them. Absolutely. Has nightlife become more inclusive for all members of the LGBTQ plus community? If not, how can we do better? I think it has. Um, I definitely think that it has. Uh, I think maybe some of the bigger problems are for non-binary or non-gender conforming people. Sure. Uh, I still think there's a bit of a gray area. People don't know how to approach 
Um, I like places that have all gender bathrooms or they have bathrooms that are, you know, non-gender specific. Um, so people feel, uh, you know, they don't feel negated. They yeah. don't feel they're not being seen. Um, I also think um, a, a lot more bars could be really better with inclus inclusivity with um, like people that don't drink. Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge part. There's plenty of people that are in nightlife that want to go out to clubs and stuff that don't drink and there's no non-alcoholic options. So right. I think there we need to have a little more broad spectrum inclusivity. I think it's gotten a lot better though. I, I know a lot of my trans friends feel way more comfortable um, going out to bars and clubs and stuff now because, you know, we're out there and people realize we exist. And so I, I think there's maybe not as big a problem. I still think there's always going to be a problem. I mean, absolutely. You can't everybody's mind, unfortunately. You have been able to work at so many amazing venues. I don't want you to pick favorites because that you'll offend someone, of course. But when working at these venues, what is it like working at venues at different in different boroughs? Are, are the clientele different? Do you have to adjust how you interact? Like if you were working somewhere like Playhouse compared to $3 Bill, how do you the bartender? Oh, so different. So different. Um, Brooklyn, I think, is just a little freer. And yeah. I can be a little more unabashedly myself at Playhouse. Mm -hmm. Depending on who my clientele was, I kind of had to reel it in a little bit sometimes. Um, but I'm definitely more myself a $3 bill. Um, and I will say right now, I don't care who it offends. Um, my favorite job to date that I've ever had behind a bar was working at Excelsior and Park Slope only because it was so incredibly different than any other bar gig that I've ever had. It was a small neighborhood bar. There were the two owners and for the majority of it, five bartenders. Yeah, There were seven of us or bartenders and barbacks there was like on a saturday night everybody that worked there would be there there were yeah. seven of us so we were just definitely more close-knit um we definitely shared more together um we saw each other on a more regular basis so and, and the nice thing is it was a smaller bar and we didn't have as much young clientele so my clientele there was like 30s to probably 70s so i definitely dealt with a, a more mature clientele which I like better. It's, it's so much easier for me to talk to somebody who's closer in age to myself. Um, I may not have as much in common with them because I'm stuck in such a young world, but I definitely think in that respect, I made a lot more mature adult relationships than in the clubs where it's like, Kiki fun. That's my girlfriend. That's my sister. Ow, clackety clack, clack, clack. Yeah. That, which I love because that's what keeps me young. Absolutely. Like that's definitely the fountain of youth for me, but the Excelsior experience was so different because my bosses were not just my bosses. They were my friends and, you know, they've since sold their business and moved out of New York, but we still talk. And like, that was just a, a very different dynamic for me, but I've loved every bar that I've worked at. I've, I've taken away something from every place I've worked, whether it be clientele that became friends or coworkers that are now some of my closest friends. So I've, I've taken something really positive from every place that I've ever worked. 
but um, Excelsior's, I, I will always yeah. say favorite job because it was just, it was such a family, quiet, cute, cozy vibe. And I loved that. And I, cause I'd never, anywhere I worked, I'd never had that before. I've only ever worked in huge, loud, crazy, bustling places. Right. So that was a very, that was the polar opposite of what I was used to. And I was like, Oh, I kind of dig this. I'm like, and I think that, um, if I continue bartending into the next few years, that that's kind of be the direction that I'm going to go in. I want that cuter, smaller, more cozy, not so crazy, uh, atmosphere. Absolutely. I mean, for me as someone who is a patron and also works in the bars, it, it the bartenders really do make your experience. Um, and I, like for me, my home bars are Icon and Albatross because I'm a, a story of boy. And there are certain nights that I definitely will go because I know who's behind the bar and they're going to make the experience for me right. And they're, they're going to be there for me and they're going to be supportive and make sure I don't act a fool sometimes. Um, but I, I feel like aside from being a therapist, there are two occupations that are basically therapists as well. It's bartenders and hairstylists. Do you like your role as a, uh, as a therapist at, when you're bartending? Oh, I love it. I love it. I give the best advice. If I could just take some of the advice that I give, oh my God, I'd be so more, so much more successful. Yeah. I like, I like listening to people. I like talking to people. Um, I like knowing that maybe I said something that really changed somebody's mind, changed somebody's heart, put somebody in a better mood. I mean, you know, you have people that come in that were, that something maybe tragic happened and they just need to be, you know, separated from something or they, they need an escape. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And it's why um, I loved working at Playhouse because I was basically just a happy hour bartender, mm-hmm. but I love because I got to like just chill and talk to people during the day. Most of the older gay men in the neighborhood who would come see me during the and they had such amazing stories and they would just tell me all these stories. And it was, it was just lovely. I just, I, yeah. I'm a people person um and i love i love the crazy fast-paced nightlife because that's my bread and butter but i like also being able to connect with people and talk to people and you know if i can if i can maybe say something to you that you didn't think of and you're like oh my god and help put something into perspective or just listen if you need an ear like i love the person sometimes bartending can be a very hard profession simply by the varying personalities you have to interact with what's your secret um, you have to treat people. It, it's a client by client basis. You can't, you can't, it, it's, it's like the rest of the world. You can't treat everybody the same. And I, I, maybe this has come with age and, 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 and with bartending, but I'm sorry. I, I get that you're the customer, but if you act like an ass, I'm going to let you know that you're acting like an ass. Um, cause the problem is, is you really do need to set a boundary. Yes. Um, and when people get to be too much, I, I always kind of like to go with the, let's not forget you're in my house right now. So, and the nice thing is, I think if you're diplomatic about what you do, you can, you can diffuse a lot. I've diffused a lot of situations, tons of situations. I also don't take shit from people. So if you're going to come to me like an ass, then I'm either going to completely ignore you and, and take the person behind you or. Yeah, I mean, you know, they say, oh, the customer's always right. No, customer's not always right. I nope. know that I am the customer. 
<laughs> and I am not always right. It's it's you have to treat people individually. Like e- everything is its own situation. So you can't just have one way that you act across the board. Like you have to you have to deal with everybody differently. Well, it's time to share your tips. As stupid as this question is, how can you be a good bar patron? Um Wow, that's it. That's it. The funny thing is, that's not a stupid question. That's a really, that's a good, I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. Wow. Be cool, chill. If it's busy, I get that you want to drink, but so do the other 700 people that are standing there. So it's like, wait your turn. Mm-hmm. Oh, and here's my big pet peeve. While I'm making your drink, have your form of payment out. Yes. If, if, if there was a line for, for you to get your drink, and you're pissed that you waited online to get your drink and then you come up and then you don't have your money out or you what you want to drink. Guess what? The for other 35 people before you that were the same way are why you had to wait so long to get a drink. Like, have an idea of what you want. Like, look around the bar. If you want a beer, look and see what beer they have. Like, kind of kind of know what you want. Have your payment ready. Because if it's slow, we can kiki and I can talk to you. But if it's really busy, it's a, what do you want? This is what it costs. Thank you. And walk away. Like, just have an idea of what you want and have your money ready when you get up there. You know, if you're with six people, don't wait till you get up to the bar and go, hey, what do you guys want? Think about this ahead of time. Only to make your experience a lot easier because I'm going to be able to get your drinks. Boom, boom, boom. And then the people behind you aren't going to have to wait a million years to get their drinks. I love it. I can get more people served that way. Like that's my, that's my, my prime goal is to get you your drink to make sure you're having a good time. Cause I want you to come back. I don't need to be like, man, 45 minutes for a drink. We hate this place. We're never coming back. I don't want that. Right. I want you to have a good time. I want you to come back. I want you to spend money. Tip me. How I inform all my expensive shoes. (laughs) What are some of the most requested drinks? What do you have to make the most? Uh, vodka soda with a splash of cran. Uh, sometimes it's just plain old gay water, which is vodka okay. soda. It's a right. rose can. splash of cran. Uh, yeah, that's really big. And I've also noticed that a lot of really old school drinks are coming back. Like I'm making a lot of whiskey sours, um, a lot of uh, tequila sunrises. I haven't made some of these drinks in like 20, 25 years. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to be ageist or anything, but are is it? younger people being like oh my god it's my first time having a drink i want a tequila sunrise or is it people who are like no this is what i've always liked and i want to continue drinking it um i think it's probably split i mean there's definitely people that know what they drink Mm -hmm. um yeah my thing is is it's really funny because people come to the bar and they'd be like what do you suggest and i'm like and my first my my first funny comment is always I suggest you make up your mind Uh, (laughs) literally as a joke, as a joke. And then I'm like, what do you drink? That's the thing. It's like, I get some people don't drink, but if you're not a drinker, then you should know what you like. Right. Like if you're not somebody who drinks a lot, then be like, okay, well, I like, I'm not a really a drinker, but I like Malibu Bay breeze. What can, what, what can I get? And then I'll I'll be like, Oh, you know what? I'll make you i I'll make you a mattress. I'll make you a, lemon drop you know I, give me something to go off of don't be like what should i have i don't know what do you want 
Well, to go alongside your um, Lila Lansing palette, what's your drink? What is the drink that is going to be your legacy? Um, that I make or that I personally drink? That you personally drink. Let's go with that one because then everyone can order your drink. Vodka soda with Splash Grant. <laughs> or it is. Really fancy and I know a place is going to make it right. Um, I like a Moscow Mule. Okay, love that, love that. The ginger beer, and it's got to be fresh lime juice. Mm -hmm. Please give me some shitty, sugary ginger beer that tastes like ginger ale. And if you put Rose's lime juice in it, (laughs) no. I I like a Moscow Mule. Um, I probably With the glass. um, Actually, if you're a really good place, you'll make it like it's supposed to be made in a copper mug. Um, Yep, mm mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite places to get a Moscow Mule is the, I don't know if you've ever been to the meatball shop. Oh, of course I have. Okay. The meatball shop. I've been to several locations. The meatball shop. I've never been to one where they make a bad Moscow Mule and they make right, it in a, chilled, a chilled copper mug. Like that's how it's supposed to be made. I, I, I'll accept a glass, but it's gotta be decent. It's gotta be decent. Um, it's gotta be decent, uh, ginger beer and it's gotta be, uh, fresh lime juice another place that makes a really good one they don't make it in a, in a copper mug uh but there's a bar in bushwick called pink metal mm-hmm. on quick ave they make a kick-ass moscow meal love that all right good to know good to know you have been honored with a glam award nomination this year for best bartender what is it like to have this recognition from your peers um it's it, honestly and i keep telling people if i don't win the fact that there are just want just I just a three dollar bill alone. There's like seventeen bartenders. Right. The fact that only eight people in New York in general get nominated. That I'm one of eight people. That's really friggin' awesome. And it's not like somebody decided, okay, this is who we're going to write in. No, people actually had to put my name in. Absolutely. People put my name in. That's a humongous. Just. It's an honor. It really honestly is. I know that sounds like such a canned answer, but honestly, just being nominated really is, it's amazing. People didn't have to nominate me. Um, Last year, in the very beginning, I pushed a little bit for the nomination. I was like, hey, nominate me. I didn't do that this year. And the fact that I still got nominated was amazing. Like, I, I, I just think it's a huge honor. Do I think it's a little bit of a popularity contest? Of course. But guess what? I got nominated. So that means I'm moderately popular. At least I'm, I'm an 8% popular. Yeah. Okay. I mean, let, let, let's be real. I mean, your, your category is much, much, much harder to get a nomination with so many, oh, many amazing of. bartenders. For me, it's a little different uh, in podcasts. No, there's no, not no, as no, many no, podcasts. Let me, let me clarify that. There's a lot of bartenders. Mm-hmm. There's only a, few, only a few amazing bartenders. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. That's and, I fair. and I don't consider myself an amazing bartender. I think I'm a fun bartender. But it's, like I said earlier, it's about the experience. I mean, the first time uh, that I went to $3 Bill, you were there. You made my experience positive. And that, that's why you have a lasting impression with so many people. I like what I do. I like what I do. I like people. I love to make people. I love to put on a show behind the bar. Like, if you have to wait for a drink, I'm at least going to be cracking jokes and making you laugh while you're waiting because you're not going to be so irate if you have to wait because right. there's a lot. There. I, I try to make people's experiences as great as I possibly can. 
Um, doesn't always happen. Sometimes, you know, it's a little crazy busy and it you, you can do what you can do. But at the end of the day, I want people to have a good experience. I want them to have fun. I want them to come back. Yes. Is that my bread and butter completely? But I want you to come back because I want you to say, oh, hey, we had a really good time there. Absolutely. A bill has been nominated a bunch of times. We have three glam awards already. So, I mean, we're, we're clearly doing something right. Absolutely. Um, I just I want people to have a good time at the end of the day. That's 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 my MO is to make sure that you have a good time. And you know what? If you're having a good time and you're cool and you're drinking and you're tipping and you're fun, I'm having a good time. And Absolutely. that's just a win-win situation to me. The Glam Awards, I, 24th year. Why are the Glam Awards important? Um, because you know what, especially now with, 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 the, with the consumption of drag race, it's nice that the local people are still being recognized. Yeah. Um, and you know what? We're being recognized by our peers, which means even more. It's great that my customers love me, but it really means a lot to me that people that are in nightlife, like, you know, I know plenty of queens that when they're done with their shows and they're done where they are, sometimes they'll go out afterwards, go someplace else. And if one of the queens comes in and goes, oh, we want to come in and see you. That means a lot to me. Like you can go yeah. drink it. You can stay at the bar you're at and drink. But if you want to go out and have fun. So, you know, if, if queens are at Metropolitan and when they're done, they want to pop over at a $3 bill to say hi and hang out for a little bit. I'm like, that's amazing. You didn't have to leave where you were. And, and I, I just think that the fact that we validate each other is, is so good. Because, I mean, you know, you don't always necessarily get that great feedback from, from customers. Like you don't hear what they have to say, but knowing that your peers appreciate you and, and love what you do. I mean, that's, that means a lot. So the fact that I think that the, the Glammies really does, I'm sorry, the Glam Awards really does support each other. And I said, I know six of the other bartenders that are nominated or five of the, five of the eight that are nominated. And if any of them win, I'd be super happy because they're my friends. Now, Every bar is different. Every venue is different. But there is something special about the collaboration between a drag artist and their bartender. What makes the collaborations work? Because I'm sure Uh, you've worked with some drag artists who you were like, I don't want to work with them again. Put another night on for me. uh, No, I've never done that. I'll just be really (laughs) passive when we do work together. Um, (laughs) Teddy! Uh... You know, I, I really haven't been any queens that I that I've worked with that I haven't liked. And, and I would have no problem saying if I didn't like somebody yeah. biting my tongue is not my uh, not my forte. I don't I don't uh, I don't mask that well. Um, I've I've I really have enjoyed all the queens that I've worked with. And some of them are like super close friends at this point. Um I think I think the thing that makes it work the best is respect. You have to mm-hmm. respect each other. Um, I'm really super intuitive to the queens, and I get maybe that's because I'm a performer myself. But like, if they're if they're doing a number and they're like, "Hey, we need shots," we need shots, I think, and they want to do a toast before they do a, a number. I'm kind of intuitive to that because yeah. that really does that is the fuel for the show sometimes. 
Um, I used to, I had a, a queen that I worked with years ago, a really good friend of mine. Her name is Princess Deandra. She's mm-hmm. legendary in New York City. Um, legendary old school queen. And uh, in the last seating of the night, when we were at Lucky, we worked at Lucky Chang's together. I knew that she couldn't, shouldn't drink tequila. And for that last show, I would always give her like three shots of tequila before the show because I know she'd be rip roaring in the middle of the show and it would be a raucous show. But I'm like, it was, it was fun. I think mm-hmm. there's just really be respect between the performers and, um, and the bartenders. Like you need to have that, that, that respect and that professionalism with each other. Um, and the other thing too is, you know, if you come in and I have a bar full of people to be barking at me because you need a drink, you know what? your customers come first. Absolutely. Like, you know, if I have to stop making customers drink because you're barking because you need a drink, that doesn't bode well for you. The customers aren't going to really appreciate that. So there just really needs to be like a level of professionalism and respect. I really haven't had any problems with any of the Queens. That's great. That's great to hear. If I did that, I would pull them aside later and be like, hey, listen, when the bar is really busy, can you not do that? Because it doesn't look good for you because, and then the customers get mad and then you're probably not going to get tipped by them. And then I'm not going to get tipped by them because they're pissed because they didn't have to wait. So it's like, it's, it's having that, that respect with each other, but I've really never had issues with the Queens. I mean, I, I, I'd like to say that the places that I worked are really selective with who they have working there. And it's like the cream of the crop. Like I, I work with the best of the best. Absolutely. So. Whenever I produce and I'm working with a bartender, my line is when you have a moment, I'll take. Exactly. That's exactly. It. And get it. You might get a little faster than you would. And if I know what you drink, the minute I see you walk in the door, I'll have a cocktail at the end of the bar waiting for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, and I've done that with so many of my girls. Like if I, I know what they drink, good. Yeah, my, when I was producing Iconic at Icon, um, uh, dear friend Stephen Savage, um, they created a drink for me for the night. Um, it was the Block Talk, uh, and it was a Blue Long Island. Um, I should have at that first night said, no, not a Blue Long Island, please, I'm going to die. But like every, he, what would happen is like, because I would be judging, I'd be at the table, I would always have a refill coming to me because I couldn't go up. By the end of some of those nights, I'd be like, you, you did this on purpose. You're trying to get me in trouble. Oh, that's happened to me. <laughs> When I judge, um, when I've been a judge for Polish the Queen, like there's just, uh, there's a plethora of cocktails that just come to me. I'm like, no, 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 yeah, no, no, it's going to end well for anybody involved. So you have been a host of Brooklyn Pride for the last five years. What is it like to be a part of this amazing event? I love it. Um, I've... I've worked uh, Manhattan Pride. I like it. I think it's too, it's too much. No, 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 not corporate. It's just too much. It's too big. It's too much. It's just sensory overload for me. Sure. Uh, Brooklyn Pride is a much smaller deal. Um, And I love that we have a separate, like, the, the bandstand area where all the shows and stuff happen. It's definitely more family friendly. Um, to me, it's basically like a street fair with drag queens on it. It's a gay street fair I'm with here drag queens. Oh, not that. even drag. There's all different kinds of performers. Uh, like we have Cheer New York, we have the gay men's choir. Um, 
we have just a, a bunch of amazing dance troops. We have uh, like small bands, drag queens, uh, you know, just people that are singers, acrobats. We have everything. And I love it because it's such a diversified group of people, people of all, you know, ethnicities, of all ages, of all gender spectrums. Like there's just such a plethora of people and everybody's there for the same, for the same Absolutely. purpose. And and I love it. It's just, I because you know, the, the Brooklyn Pride people have become like family to me. Um, this past year was the first time that we did youth pride. So it was like, I think it was 20 and under which I love it because it was just a, it was a pride day just for the young ones. I love that. Amazing. It's important. It really is. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Brooklyn pride itself is definitely family friendly. The acts are definitely, definitely family friendly. So it's not like, Oh, there's salacious acts or there's half naked go-go boy. No, there's none of that. It's, it's, it's not that kind of thing. It's in park slope. So it's definitely more residential, but um, the fact that they had, we're just, we're just young people could be um, the focus where they were the ones that were the entertainers and they were the, the audience that to me was so much fun. I had the future so, is bright. It really is. It really is. And, and, and I like the fact that, you know, that, that, that it was always, you know, children should be seen and not heard. Well, no, you know what? Children need to be heard too. And it's nice. Cause it's, you know, they feel special. It's just for them. So I, I, I absolutely loved it. You'll be the MC of Mr. NY Entertainer of the Year 2023 in March. What can we expect? Um, I'm so excited about this because there's so many pageants and there's so many drag queen events. I love the fact that we're now putting the focus on the guys for a change. I love that. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to have their piece of the pie. Absolutely. Like, I know when I talk sometimes, I sound like little Mary Sunshine and I'm like, rainbows and, and unicorns but it's really true it's like somebody who's lived in a lot of different genders and and uh, has has lived a very long storied life I love it that everybody feels included I think everybody really just does need to be included and I like that this focuses on the guys um I don't know what to expect I'm like I really have only ever seen you know pageants with with them presenting people, whether they be, sure. you know, whether they be cis women or AFAB women or drag queens or, or, you know, gender non-conforming, but, but femme presenting, like I've only ever, that's only my, that's my only fa- frame of reference. So it's going to be so awesome to see what, what the guys do. What Absolutely. Um, this will be something really new for me to be a part of. Uh, I, I, I don't know how my emceeing is going to go. I've never had to emcee for something like this, but I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, it's an event where people are coming out to have fun. People are going to show off their talents. So I think it's probably not going to be too different from anything I've ever done, but I'm so excited about that. I so, mean, I'm sure everyone's going to be. I tickets for it. Everybody can come see it. It's at Lips on March 20th. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so amazing. So- I mean, I'm sure everyone's going to be very excited for the um, swimwear portion, if there is one. Oh, I would love that. I, would I, love, I that. love me a boy in a speedo. Oof. And, that's a, and, and the thing is, is what I love is there's going to be all different body types too. I'm like, you know what? I, I did a campaign a few years ago for body positivity. I am all about it. I want you to get up there and just live your best life for that. What is it? 30 seconds, 40 seconds, 80 seconds that you're on stage. Get up there and live your best life. 
I'm like, here for it. That. We're going to play a game. It's called This or That. I'm going to give you two options. You're going to pick one. Okay. Day or night? Uh, night. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Plane or train? Train. Winter or summer? Oh, summer. Paper straw or no straw? Paper straw. Mimosa or Bloody Mary? Mimosa. Hairspray or Crybaby? Hairspray. Chucky or Annabelle? Oh, Chucky. I'm a huge Child's Play fan. (laughs) Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt? Uh, Tales from the Crypt. Jenna Ortega as Wednesday Adams or Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams? Yes. (laughs) Rick Grimes or Daryl Dixon? Daryl. The Governor or Negan? Negan. Michonne or Rosita? Oh, Michonne any day of the week. Glenn or Abraham? Oh, poor Glenn. I cried. I absolutely cried. Maggie or Beth? Beth, Maggie annoys me a little bit. Blanche or Rose? Blanche. Sophia or Dorothy? Sophia. So you're a Golden Girls fan. Humongous. How did you get into Golden Girls? Uh, well, I was alive when it was in first run. So <laughs> uh, my grandmother and I used to watch it. My, my, I was really super close to my dad's mom because they lived super close to us. So, and then at one point we lived upstairs from them. So I was around my grandparents a lot. Uh, yeah, my grandmother and I watched Golden Girls. Um, it's really bad now. One of my best friends, Basil, and I, when we're having regular conversations, like Golden Girls lines will just fly in the middle of it. If you tell me, if you tell me like, the beginning of an episode i can tell you the plot line and i can quote lines from it it's it's disgusting it's 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 bad um, do you have a favorite that you identify as uh golden girls yeah uh it depends what day of the week it is that's fine Honestly, i i like to think that i encompass a little bit of all the girls i can be as brash as dorothy um i can i definitely say that i have sophia petrillo syndrome because if that pops in my head it comes right out of my <laughs> There's no, there's no process where I have to think about what I'm saying. That happens. Um, I can definitely be a little rosy every now and then, uh, especially post-COVID, a little fog. Uh, and there have been times in my life where I've just been a flat-out whore. So. And you're going to be attending Golden Con. For the second year in a row. I had no idea it existed. I mean, it makes sense it exists. It Last year was so much fun it's literally just a room full of women and gay men (laughs) and do people get dressed up there were plenty of people that did um we didn't but this year i'm not really getting dressed up but um i i basically procured my wardrobe for this coming year and it's going to be nothing but maxi dresses and like and like caftans just like open caftan dusters so i'm I'm definitely uh, branching I'm a TV person. I love TV. I also love origin stories. 
And I've always wondered, what if there was a TV series of the origin stories of these four women? Do you think people would watch it? Um, yeah, I definitely think they would. There's definitely enough Golden Girls fans that people would want to see it. And then we always, we already kind of know the origin story with Sophia and Dorothy right. because we've seen those flashbacks to when they were younger. And I actually got to meet Lynn uh, Green, who played young Dorothy. Amazing. I love that. Um, yeah, it was, I think that would be, I think that would be totally fun. I think if I, if I ever meet someone who has money, let's make it happen. We're going we're gonna to have that show happen. Yeah, I would love that. Now, obviously we discussed The Walking Dead a little bit. I am now a newfound watcher of the show. I, I was like, you know, it's now it's over. I can binge it all. Let's try it. Um, I'm on season five. I, I, I'm the kind of person who spoils it for myself. So it's not really a surprise. Uh, so I know a lot of things that are to come. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think there is, why, how did it last 11 seasons? Why do people love zombie shows like this? Uh, first of all, I'm a, I'm a huge horror aficionado. Um, if you could see my back, my, literally you can't see because I have this thing on the back. The, the back of my, the back of my background is mildly disturbing. Um, I, I love zombies. Zombies are like some of my favorite, um, like genre of, of horror. Um, I think that Walking Dead was as popular as it was and it still continues to be as popular as it is because the zombies really are just a very secondary part of it. Absolutely. It's the human condition. It's what do people do when they're under those kinds of conditions? How do we act? You know, uh, are we losing our humanity when we act like that? Or are we just trying to preserve ourselves? It's, I think there's, it's that, that one big, like, what if question, what if this ever were to happen? Right. Like, did you get to go to the museum of moving uh, images for the exhibit? I didn't. I didn't. And I'm, and I'm a little remiss about that. So I just can't believe how short it was. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to go see it when I'm here. No. Yeah. I heard it wasn't, but I still would have, I still wanted to go. Yeah. I didn't get to go. And I'm a little mad about that. Um, Charlie horse. I feel like Rose. Um, (laughs) Did you get that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Did you get the reference? Um, uh, Yeah. I just, it's such an interesting, and I think if you've ever read the graphic novels, um, I think the reason the TV show did so so well is because um, they switched it up a lot. Like, um, people living way longer than they were supposed to on the TV series, uh, people that weren't supposed to die dying. Like, they didn't give you, they didn't just, they didn't just spit the, the graphic novels out, like, you know, verbatim. They, yeah. they played a little bit because it's like, is it really all that fun if you know exactly what's going to happen? Absolutely. I think uh, and that's what's exciting about having a source material like that and having a fandom that's already built in is you kind of do get excited for future seasons because you you know characters are about to come. Like I rem- I did like some research as I was watching, like people were excited when Michonne finally showed up. They're like, we know she's coming. We can't wait to see what she's going to do. Well, what I love also, though, is like, so in the graphic novels, 
Michelle's more badass from the beginning than she was in the TV series. Michelle yeah. had a Michelle had a really slow burn to be a badass. Like you really because and then you realize how badass she is when you when you realize when you find out her backstory. Right. Then oh um so I was working at Excelsior um the episode where Glenn well you know you know Glenn died. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the episode where Glenn died, I was at my when I tell you everybody at the bar was crying, people were sobbing. Um, that was a really ballsy move because he was like the fan favorite. Right. There were people that stopped watching the show and <laughs> half, they were like, nope, that's it. It's, it's, it's a ballsy move to kill off your most popular character. It sure is, it sure is ballsy and then the way it happened and the fact that Maggie was pregnant and it's just like oh it just makes it even more heart-wrenching and yeah yeah it was just and I but I think that's what it is I I think that the humanity of the show is what keeps it it, what is what keeps it going it's what you know what kept it going when it was on um from the beginning like because people like oh I don't know if this is gonna last because the first season didn't do all that great right it did that great in the ratings but then i think people really got into it and then people that that's what kept it going i think people just just the human condition it's like what do people what what do people do when they're put in those kind of situations you know how do you kill your loved one like how do you do that it's it's yeah. it's it's intense would you survive a zombie apocalypse absolutely fucking not <laughs> same <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not They'd push me and run. And I'd be fine with it. Whatever. What is important to me about this podcast is being able to share stories and voices and hoping that my guests' experiences can help someone listening. And I'm excited that we're able to share your experience as a trans person in our community. What was your transition like? What was the start of your journey? You know, it's really funny because I've relayed this story to people. I love to say that it was this is like, um introspective thing where I was like, you know, I, I think I'm trans and and how do I go about now? Somebody was like, we're gonna give you hormones. I went, okay. So uh funny story, it happened. I don't remember where we were, but I we, we were out one night and somebody was like, and I was in drag. Mm-hmm. Um and somebody was like, are you a guy or a girl? And I was like, oh I'm a boy. This is just this is just drag. And um, I'm not going to name the person that said it, but the person uh, interjected and went, grabbed my hand and went, no, mama, you're a woman. We're going to give you hormones. And I went, oh. and literally the next week at Webster Hall, I had a shot in the ass. It was no, like, there was no introspect. But I mean, I think the reason that I didn't ever fight is because I was like, oh, it just, it just, it felt really organic. And I was like, oh, right. wait, because I don't want to say that I put on a persona when I was in drag, but I think I just gave myself more permission to be myself in drag. And I say drag. It wasn't even really, I don't know what it was, whatever I was doing at that time. Um, I think I just, that's when I was really me. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to hide anything. I didn't have to hold back. I could just be unabashedly me. Um, So that when somebody was like, Oh no, no, we're going to give you hormones. You're going to transition. I went, okay. Sure, let's do it. Um, 
probably one of the best decisions I never made. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and honestly, now I was like, I could never go back. Like there could never like. Yeah. It was the right path. It completely. And it was a path that I didn't know I was going down. How has your experience in the nightlife community changed since you transitioned? Has it? No, not at all. Um, but because I was literally at the time, you know, I was with a lot of gender bending freaks, mm-hmm. but we did. Um, I knew people that, I mean, I guess for, for lack of a better word at the time, we're, we're living a very non-binary lifestyle. I mean, we called it androgynous, Sure. but you were, ba- I knew a lot of people that were basically non-binary. They were like, eh, just, I just kind of am. It's, I think it's why a lot of us labeled ourselves club kids because club kid didn't have a gender right you were a club kid it wasn't because everybody kind of did these like hybrid male female alien looks so i think i think in in labeling ourselves as club kids we didn't feel the need for there to be gender there was because everybody wore makeup everybody wore wigs we all wore crazy costumes so uh, there was there was really no like none of it was gendered. So sure. I think technically we were kind of like all living a very non-binary lifestyle. Were there people or places that you found solace in as you were going through your transition? Um, definitely my Lucky Chang's family. Um, just all my really close friends. Um, I was one of those like really rare people uh, it, it caused a really big rift with my family so there was little to no contact for a very long time but with my friends I never lost friends over it sure. um honestly I think my friends knew before I did so I mean yeah never lost any friends over it like I was never ostracized from from my friend groups everybody just kind of took it as oh okay you're a chick now. Okay, good. Let's, let's, let's go on. Um, yeah, it, it caused, it caused issues with my family, but I mean, after years, things finally came back around and even my family, like when I say my family, I mean my like immediate family, sure. my everything, my family could give two shits. They don't care. Like I was just at my six year old, uh, my six year old, uh, my two year old baby cousin's birthday last week. Like, my my family's t- totally cool. That's they, amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm very lucky in that in that respect. Now we sadly live in an America where the trans experience is being threatened by a very conservative mindset that can truly hurt the lives of so many. Why do you think this is, and what can you say to those trans individuals out there who are living in fear? I think the conservatives that are rallying so hard against us are people that just don't live in any kind of truth of their own. And I think they're just pissed that there are people who know who they are and, and, and are in pursuit of just living a happy life because so many of these crazy, you know, religious puritanical people, these just horrible, rotten people, you always find out these skeletons in their closet. Absolutely. And I'm just like, guess what? We don't have those skeletons. Those aren't issues for us. Your, your problem with yourself should not be reflected on my life. 
Right. And it really is. You find, you know, all these these people that want to pass these anti-gay laws are fucking soliciting people in, in, in airport bathrooms. Or you find about, you know, priests who are against gays in the Catholic Church have been moved three times because of molestation charges. I'm like, the only people that are rallying against you living your life freely are people that can't live theirs freely. Right. And they don't want to see you happy. Absolutely. How can people in our community help advocate for the trans community stronger? Can I tell you something? The biggest thing is don't treat your trans friends any differently than anybody else. You know, trans is a, is a small part of our of our identity. You know, do I consider myself a trans woman? Yes, but I do that to stay visible. Sure. To be visible, to be vocal. But I mean, honestly, there are people that I've worked with for a very long time that or people that I've known in my life that maybe for years had no idea that I was trans because I just never brought it up. Right. Because it was not an issue. I'm like, are we having sex? No. You're not my gynecologist, then you don't need to know. Um, just, I mean, support your trans friends. Um, if they have trepidations about things, if, if, if there's things that they're, that they're wary of, listen to them. I'm like, we, we know when, when something doesn't feel right. Uh, I mean, yeah, just, just support your trans friends. Just listen to them. I mean, and, and I think that goes with any of your, any Absolutely. people, especially any of your friends that are in the LGBTQIA plus spectrum. Listen to your friends. They know what they're going through. They know what their experiences are. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when that, when, when there was a lot of issues with, with trans women, being murdered or a trans woman being attacked. There was a really long, there was a woman that was attacked in Park Slope, two stops um, from where I took the train, same train. And for a while I was like, I was super scared to get on the train. And I hate this word because I don't think that this word um, encompasses anything to do with being trans, but being more passable has definitely afforded me privileges. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I may not, somebody may on the train may not realize I'm trans, so I, I don't get harassed. Right. Like, I, I, there's, there's a little bit of privilege that comes along with it. Uh, am I grateful for that? Yeah, because I maybe don't feel as afraid in certain situations. But I mean, passability is not why you transition. You transition to be whoever you feel you are. Like it's, it's not, uh, the, the thing is, is I come from a generation where you kind of had to be passable or it was detrimental. Right. Like, so it was like, for us, it was, it was kind of a defense mechanism. It was, it was the one way to, to kind of be able to, to go on unscathed to, you know, to, to be care, to be careful, to be safe. And it sucks that that's the way that it has to be, but I know it's a, it's a privilege that I'm afforded and but when stuff like that was happening, I was just as scared. I'm just like, sure. you know, the one person that may figure it out, that could be, that could be the end. So. If there is one piece of advice you could bestow upon young people out there questioning themselves or discovering their gender identity, what would it be? Uh, 
the one thing that I when 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 I was when I was starting my transition, the one thing I mean I'm not going to say I never questioned it, but but there was one question that I always asked myself, and it was like, could I see myself being an old man? No. Um, my thing is, uh, question how happy you are. Does does the life you're living does does who you are feel authentically you? Do you feel whoever you are without having to put on airs, without having to put on any affectations? Do you feel at the core of who you are? Do you feel that that's who you are? And not, there are people out there. There's, there's plenty of people that you can talk to. There's plenty of um, people that can help you figure out, you know, where you need to be. Maybe, 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 maybe you're not trans. But, you know, if you feel that, that that may be where your life is headed, I always say professional help. There's always, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists. It's, I think it's always great to question yourself in your life. Because unless you, you, you take inventory of where, who you are and where you are at certain times, that's the way you grow. Right. Oh, am I happy at this job? Can I, can I be, should I, do I think I should be in a higher position? Should I be making more money? Like, am I really happy? Do I like what I do for a living? Because if you're at a job where you walk in every day and go, well, then you know what? Chances are you're not happy with your job. Question it. Maybe I'm not happy. Maybe I'd rather be doing something else. Is there something else I can do that I can make money at where I can be happy? I think it's always good to question and, and take inventory of where you are in your life at any given time. I mean, it's the only way that you grow and become happy. And, and if not, you just stay complacent. And absolutely. We're going to play a little game. It's called the Cameo Game Show. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. And in this game, you have to guess who costs more. We are going to play the random celebrity edition. Okay. All right. First off is. Cheryl Lee Ralph or Tamar Braxton? Am I guessing which one costs more? Mm-hmm. Oh, Tamar. It is Tamar. She is 500. Cheryl Lee Ralph is at 400. That, that Emmy really did help her in that Golden Globe. Rebecca Black or Carol Baskin? Oh, Carol Baskin. It's actually Rebecca Black at $500. Carol Baskin will cost you $249. Wow, Rebecca Black really does think highly of herself. <laughs> right. Next up is Joel McHale or Carrot Top. Carrot Top? It's actually Joel McHale at 275. Carrot Top, 150. Not bad, not bad. Okay. Mario Cantone or Leah Delaria? Oh, Mario. Leah Delaria at $500. Leah. Mario Cantone, 200 Leah. Boy oh. George or Lance Bass? Lance Bass. Boy George, $400. Lance Bass is $299. This one's fun. Leanne Rhymes or Dion Warwick? Leanne Rhymes? Miss Leanne Rhymes, 333. Uh, Dan Warwick is 225. Next up is Frankie Grande or Lindsay Lohan. Oh, Frankie. It's actually Lindsay Lohan. Uh, Lilo is 500. Frankie Grande is 200. 
Now I'm going to give you a name and you have to tell me how much you think this person costs. How much can you get a John Kassir cameo for? I'm going to say 150 Only $88. If you don't have one yet, you should go get one. I might do that. Yeah, so he's on cameo. Um, I don't know what, what kind of cameos he does, but that's a fun one. I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I have to include it. He does it as a crib keeper. <laughs> that would be so funny. What makes New York City nightlife so special? Because it's New York. Yeah, I, I like that one. I mean, New York really is its, only, its own special kind of whatever. How important is social media when it comes to nightlife? Sadly, extremely important. Yeah. The only thing I will say that's really good about it is like, depending on you're looking for something to do that night, you figure out where you want to go. You can figure out what's happening at any one place at any time. Or if you're, the nice thing is if you're not from New York, if you're visiting New York, you can go to like, especially $3 bill, I'll say. Like you can go to $3 bill and you can see videos of things that are happening. So you can kind of get a layout of what the place is like and what the parties are like. So you can, you can kind of know more about a place without actually having visited a place. Absolutely. We are going to play everybody's absolute favorite game. It's tea time. You are going to spill some tea on some of your favorite friends, sisters, colleagues, coworkers, people you took a photo with. I don't know. Maybe some villains. I don't, we're going to find out. Um, so I'm going to give you a name. You're going to share whatever you want to talk. Um, if it becomes a gush fest, you can share why you love them so much. Whatever you want to do. It's your opportunity. Are you ready? Yes. All right. We're going to start off with Jack's Coyote. Pain in my ass. <laughs> He's one of my best friends. Um, Yeah, he's a good kid. Next up, Ruby Roo. I adore Ruby. I knew Ruby Roo before Ruby Roo even existed. Um, I met Ruby very, very long time ago. She was dating a really good friend of mine who's no longer with us. Um, but that's how her and I met. So I when I met her, she was the it boy. And she used to wear these huge bows in her hair. I love but that. Brag even happened. I adore her. She's next is is young cut oh i love izzy okay so um i met izzy when izzy first started doing drag wars when she very first started doing drag and i basically told her that her hair makeup and outfits were horrible <laughs> but uh this past summer I, I was joking with her i was like you know i remember i gave you some critiques izzy is one of those people that that people gave her critiques and she took them and has mm -hmm. turned it on its ear. Izzy's one of my favorite performers now. I mean, she's one of my favorite people in general, but she's one of my favorite performers. She is so polished. Like, yeah, she's one of them people that took the critiques and listened and went, okay, here you go. This is. I, I remember watching her so many times at Hardware and being like, you're going to go to the hospital. You're slamming yourself on that concrete, girl. She's, she's a very high energy performer. Yeah, she's one of my favorite performers. Next up is Holly Box Springs. I love Holly so much. I, I think Holly's not only one of the most talented people, but I just think Holly is such a good person. Like, 
like the quick changes just blow my mind sometimes. Mm-hmm. She has one number that she does where she basically changes back between two outfits. She plays like two characters and she just keeps swapping back. I was like, that's brilliant. Insane. brilliant. Like it's why she won comedy queen or sure. yeah, she's, she, or did she win? Uh, she won the Miss Adam Apple. Um, yes, that's what she's, she, she really is. Amazing. And she's just such an amazing person. Next we have Laguna blue. I love me some Laguna Blue. Laguna is one of the most talented people I've ever met. Like her voice is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Laguna is somebody that I am certain is like just gonna, that one thing's gonna happen and she is going to blow up. And she was just nominated for a Queerity Girl. Award. She is. I mean, she just toured with Alaska. And again, just one of my favorite people. Just, I adore her. Well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, Castrada. Again, I adore Castrada. I had never even met Castrada until we started working together. At, oh, no, that's not true. I met her once in passing. Um, and we worked together at Playhouse. She's just another person that I think is sickeningly talented. And just, I genuinely like Castrada as a person. Next up, Kiki Ball Change. Another person, I adore Kiki. Um, just so super funny. Um, I just love how how body positive she is. I just I love that she's unapologetically herself, and I live for I live for people that that just love themselves, and I think it's amazing. But she's one of the funniest entertainers. Her Absolutely. mixes so good. Her mixers are so good. Next is someone I would nominate for president of New York City Nightlife, Nikki O. That is my little sister. I adore Nikki so much. Nikki is such a hard worker. Mm -hmm. Like, Nikki is no nonsense, like, friggin' puts in those hours. Like, she works. Like, she works. We did did a Jesse Ware after party. Jesse Ware showed up. Like, Nikki's just Nikki's such a hard worker. Nikki Nikki is is somebody that I I in nightlife I call her my little sister. I just yeah. I adore her. I don't think there's anyone who's put in as much work and effort in the past two three years than Nikki O. No, and she gives me that old school like vibe. Like she's really trying to keep she's trying to keep a tradition alive. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Nikki O, let's talk about Joe Disco. I adore Joe. Adore. Um, I love that Joe has such a big personality, but really is just very kind of like a very chill yeah. person. And I, I kind of live for that. I wish I could be that. Like, I wish I could be that fabulous and still that chill. Cause I'm not, I am like frenetic at times. And I just love. She's just very composed and she's Absolutely. just chill and laid back, but like great DJ, just, Somebody who, again, I personally just really adore. All right. Next up, we have Keisha Carr. What can I say about Keisha Carr? Uh, Keisha is one of my favorite people ever. Um, funny story about Keisha, and I'll make sure she listens to this. So the very, very first night that Keisha and I ever worked together, um, Keisha worked together, um, 
they introduced me to her right before the show and I was a little scattered. And so I'm hosting the show and I was like, she was off to the side and I was like, wait, what's your name again? I completely forgot. And I didn't hear her name the first time she said it. And I thought she said her name was Keisha Cole. I was like, really, girl, you couldn't come up with something a little more like (laughs) unique. And she was like, no, Keisha Carr. And I was like, oh, oops, my bad. (laughs) And that's my Capricorn sister. I adore Keisha. Next up, she's going to be on tour with Madonna, Bob the Drag Queen. Um, Bob is another one of my favorite people ever. I met Bob when Bob was basically new to New York, when Bob was still kitten with a whip. Mm-hmm. Um, and her and her best drag, Judy, who doesn't do drag anymore, a queen by the name of Frosty Flakes. They did, uh, sh- so Bob came in um, and did karaoke one night out of drag and told us, oh, I'm a drag queen and blah, 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 and wanted to do the show at Lucky Chang's. It was called Little Shop of Whores. Um, I never actually got to see it because I was bartending in the front, so I never actually got to see the show. But um, but then when Bob started at Barracuda and started like really performing in the city, I was the v- second guest at the second, or maybe I was the first guest. Or maybe I might have been the very first guest or the second guest at the Bob the Drag Queen show. Oh, I'm sorry, the Kitten with a Whip show. At <laughs> I door Bob. Bob and I still like we still text. Um, never in new york so i don't ever actually physically get to see her but i love me some bob the drag queen yeah bob the drag queen was the first drag performer i have ever seen live at barracuda great so um for my birthday one year uh we went to barracuda to see bob and bob was like i'm gonna do a special song for you what do you want me to do and she used to do uh big white room by jesse J. And at one point she's lip syncing and she grabs my phone and she starts lip syncing to it and she spins around and my phone goes flying. <laughs> oh no. My phone was completely fine, but I still have the video of it. Still, That's amazing. It's, it's funny. All right. Next up from Rue girl to judge on Drag Race Philippines, Jiggly Caliente. Ah, uh, my sister Jiggly. I adore Jiggly. I first met Jiggly when she um, started competing at Star Search at Barracuda. Oh, wow. Like a bajillion years ago. I, 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 Jiggly won something like some ridiculous, like 30 something weeks in a row or whatever the hell it was. Um, yeah, I love her. I love her. We, again, another person who I don't really ever see all that often, but we, we're online, so we we message each other and stuff. But I simply adore her. No, I've God, we've we've known each other a very long time. Next up is someone who beat me last year at the Glam Awards. Might be me again. It's Lady Bunny. Oh, who doesn't love Bunny? Um, before the pandemic, the the summer before the pandemic, um, was it seventeen or eighteen? I don't remember. Uh, they they filmed that that documentary wig, um, mm-hmm. wig stock, and I was like, Bunny posted, oh we're doing wig stock again this year, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so excited, I can't wait to go. And Bunny messaged me and was like, oh, do you want to be in it? And I was like, excuse me. She's like, yeah. She's like, 
I'd love to have you be in it. And I was one of the girls that did the laughing scene with her. And I was like, That's oh my incredible. God, friggin' iconic. It was me, Pissy Miles, Marty Gould Cummings, uh, Misunderstood, uh, Holly Day, Tina Burner. And I was like, really? That's awesome. And it's so funny because I was just working in, in Brooklyn and Park Slope at that point. So I was really kind of removed from Manhattan for a bit because I just needed to, to not be in Manhattan working. Um, and I was like, I felt like the bee's knees be like, because these were all the top girls, right. like the top queens in the city at the time. And I was like, and I knew them, um, but I was like, oh my God, this is like a huge honor. And that morning we had gotten the, um, we had gotten the track that we were supposed to be lip syncing to and they never put my joke in. And I was like, so I messaged Bunny. I was like, Hey, she's like, Oh, okay. She's like, well, do you want to just come and be part of the, the number anyway? Just dance with us. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And then like 15 minutes later, she messaged me back. She's like, I'm sending you a new copy. She's like, your jokes in it. I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. So we had to re-listen to the whole thing all over again. But I was like, that was a huge honor. I adore Bunny. I've loved Bunny forever. I've known Bunny for e what seems like eons at this point. Bunny's just one of my favorite people. Like, even out of drag. Like, Bunny's just a great person to talk to. Smart as a Absolutely. fucking Absolutely. Next up, Mona Foot. I was absolutely crushed when Nishan passed it. Like we were at the cock of, I mean, I've known Nishan Mona since the nineties, but um, Nishan was the manager at the cock. And, and, and when we worked at Lucky Chang's, we would go over to the cock like multiple nights after work. Um, and Nishan was actually putting together um, like a documentary with a friend and wanted me to be part of it. And we had literally spoken like right before the pandemic had happened that, that, that summer, right before um, we sat and we had an interview and we talked and he's like, okay, we're, we're going to be getting all this stuff together. He's like, you know what, when everything's kind of dates are finalized, I'm going to let you know. And then of course the pandemic hit and weeks later, we lost Nisham and it was crushing. It it stuff like that really just snaps you back into perspective. Absolutely. Next up, one of the greatest wig designers on the planet, Perfidia. Ah, my mom. I adore Perfidia. I have loved Perfidia forever. One of the most crazy talented people I've ever had the opportunity to meet. Um, like we don't see each other all that often, but we do like we, you know, we try to go for lunch or whatever. Um, I got, to, she got me tickets to see uh, when she did the hair for big fish, um, mm -hmm. which was right at the Neil climate theater. Um, amazing. She did the hair for um, Hedwig and we got to go backstage. We got to like take pictures on the stage. We got to meet the cast. Um, phenomenal. Like just has always been just such an amazing person. Um, an another Capricorn. We're both 
with caps. Um, a door, just simply a door. Her apartment is ridiculous. It's just nothing but like classic dolls and just all these like Japanese toys and just it looks like a museum. Her apartment just looks like a it looks like a toy museum. It's it's ridiculous. But the funny thing is I had a gig not that long ago and I asked her to do the wig for me. It was the first wig I had ever asked her to make for me. Cause I mean I always did my own stuff and I was like, I really want Profidia to do this for me. The wig turned out gorgeous. Just phenomenal wig designer, phenomenal yeah. person that yeah, I my, love forever. My friend, my dear friend Nicole Noscopy, I remember the first time she got a Profidia wig. Um, it literally changed her drag. It completely changed her drag. And now she's doing wigs. She's doing wigs herself. She she left us, but she's doing fine. She's all right. Hard enough to get out of New York. Yeah. And found and herself so, a weatherman. Well, because I didn't know she had moved. And I was like, I was booking a gig. And I was like, hey, I'd love for you to do this. She's like, you know, if I still lived in New York, I would. I'm like, wait, when did you move? Yeah. She's like, a couple of months ago. I was like, really? How did I not know this? Insane. All right, next up, Pauline of the Princess of Power. That has been my ride or die for like 30 years. Um, Paulina and I met when we uh, we were up against each other at Star Search back when uh, Jackie Beat was hosting. Jackie was the host right after Mona Foote. Mm -hmm. Fucking really early 90s. Um, Paulina and I competed against each other. She sang, I, uh, she danced, I sang, she beat me. That bitch. <laughs> um, I, we, we talk very regularly and we try to see each other as much as we possibly can. I just don't go into the city unless I have to these days. Cause my entire yeah. life is, open. but, um, Paulina will be my ride or die till the end of time. I love that. And finally. Shaquita. She's rotted. Completely, completely rotted now. Um, I will say uh, um, Shaquita is one of the hardest people to work for. And I say this lovingly. And I say this because Shaquita is one of those people that gives you 379% and expects you to just give at least 100% back. Doesn't ask for the same amount that she gives, but she wants you to work at least a fraction of hard as she does. Um, not only one of the most talented people, but a gracious person. Um, like when she has costumes and her costumes are amazing that she doesn't wear anymore. She just gives stuff to the new queens. Yeah. Gives wigs. She gives costumes. Um, she's great with advice it's that's one of the reasons that 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 drag wars is one of the biggest competition shows i hate mm-hmm. to say it's blown it's blown star search out of the water but it has um just an incredibly incredibly hard worker incredibly incredibly talented um one of my closest oldest friends who again i will adore till the end of time um just I've never met somebody with such an amazing work ethic. Like she doesn't half-ass it. And and she's worked at plenty of places where she's quit because they just she's yeah. like, this is what I need to do my job successfully. If you can't do that, then I'll go somewhere else. Absolutely. 
always been that way. And it, you have to be, because if you let, if you just continually let things slide, things don't get better. And she's right. one of those people, that, listen, she has a reputation to put on, yeah, that, that's on the line. She has her work ethic. She, she has her brand. And if she can't bring it to you properly, then so be it. It's true. And she's, she's a no-nonsense person, and I absolutely, absolutely adore her. You've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What are you watching videos of? I Not any one artist, but I'm one of those weirdos that if I like a song, I will YouTube the person singing that song live. I will watch like, I literally just watched um, down a rabbit hole of Rita Ora live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I watched 30 performances of uh, Wish That I Could Make You Love Me. Don't ask me why, but I have a really bad tendency of doing that. Um, Before that, I fell down like two weeks ago. I fell down a rabbit hole of Lena Horne for like two and a half hours. Lovely. I watched Lena Horne performances. For like literally like two and a half hours. What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good song. If you had to pick a character to do for Snatch Game, who would it be? You know, and I've always said, I was like, oh, I would be. And I'm like, who the hell would I be? Wow, that's really good. Um, it's hard because I I kind of think it doesn't work if you don't at least resemble the person. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, somebody that's six foot four and 140 pounds would not do a very convincing Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. But in the same breath, I would not make a very convincing Britney Spears. Right. Um, I'd probably do Jennifer Coolidge. I love it. I'm here for it. Oh my god! Look like the Fourth of July. Um, That's good. That's a good one. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of built like Jennifer Coolidge. So I think it would work. We have a fan corner question. Uh, this is from Mystery Mel Kiki. Oh, I love Mel. What's your favorite song to perform? Um, it became a default song as of late. So when I used to sing live, one of my favorite songs ever to do uh, was a song from a show called Steel Pier called Everybody's Girl. Okay, mm-hmm. Deborah, I live for Deborah Monk. So I used to do. I got every- to work with her once. Oh, she was so fun. It's uh, I I I never met her, but I've been in her presence, and she mm-hmm. just like a ball of energy. Yeah, she's so kind. Um. But I love Deborah Monk. So when I was lip- when I was singing live, it was everybody's girl. Um, I've lip synced it a couple times. Um, if I'm doing like a comedy lip sync, I either like everybody's girl or like uh, let's talk dirty to the animals by uh, by complete and total brain fart. Um, Gilda Radner. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, uh, Blow a Fuse by Betty Hutton. Uh, nice. Or did it as, oh, it's also oh, quiet. Uh, people will know that. So that, um, the one song that I always kind of sort of lip sync to now, because I think it's really good for what I do now, Groove is in the Heart by Delight. Love it. It's the aesthetic. 
Absolutely. So, so I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question, and this is from also Glam Award nominee Acacia Forgot. If you could have an endless supply of any condiment come out of your belly button, what would it be and why? <laughs> wow. Uh, mustard, because I put it on everything. All right. All right. I love it. Now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. And it could be about literally anything you want. If you had to watch one movie every night before you went to bed, what would it be? Oh, I love that one. And I know what my answer would be. And people would be like, really? What's your answer? Rat Race. Okay. It's my favorite movie ever. I still quote it. Um, I was Kathy Bates for Halloween two years ago from that movie. I love it so much. I could, I could. Okay. It's so stupid. It's just so fun and stupid. Oh, yeah. No, it's a ridiculous movie. Um, and funny enough, mine was, and I did this for probably like a good four months straight. I came home from work because I didn't have I didn't have cable and I didn't have a computer at the time. And I came home and I watched nine to five every single night for like four months. It's a great movie. But I well, yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. We here are always trying to expand the block talk family. Who? Would you like to hear do an interview in the future? Oh, Holly Boxspring. All right. I've been trying to get her on forever. And she always says like, yeah, let's do it. And then never falls through. We're going to well, make it happen. Ask, We're going to make it happen. Ask her again, reach out. And I'm going to say, hey, I said you need to do this. Do it. Holly no, Boxspring. Holly, Holly's got a lot of great stories. Oh, I'm She's sure. I am absolutely sure. A lot of stories. Well, where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any more projects you want to plug? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Ms. M-S period Lansing, L-A-N-C-I-N-G. Uh, I am Lila Lansing on Facebook, L-A-I-L-A-H-L-A-N-C-I-N-G. Um, on Venmo, I am M-S underscore Lansing, L-A-N-C-I-N-G. Um, and all that stuff is kind of linked. So you can find me. I'm mostly on Instagram. Uh, I had to stay off Twitter because I yell at people too much. Yeah, I can't do Twitter. It's, it's yeah, it, 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 it's not good for my blood pressure. Well, it was so amazing having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I had the best time. Thank you. 